Welcome back, friends. You're listening to Parenting for the Culture on the Black Love Podcast Network, and I am your host, Cherise Sims. Today, we are talking about shame, y'all, but not before I share the peak and pit of my day. At the peak of my day is that my voice is finally back. You all don't know, but now you're going to know that I had like strep throat or laryngitis. I don't know. Maybe it was the monkeypox. Maybe it was COVID. Maybe it's I got a new alert from LAUSD that something else hit the schools. So Lord knows what it was, but it was with me for about two, almost three weeks. And I was not able to record my podcast. I was not able to do a lot of things. I was not able to teach my classes. Um, But today I can finally talk. And if I sound a little lower than usual, it is because my voice is still recovering. So bear with me. But that's that. That's the peak of my day. The pit of my day is that when I went to record today, if you all know, uh, my husband and I have a library of poetry in Los Angeles, California. That's where I like to record because there are 10 human beings in my house, which seems like the most ridiculous place to try to record. And six of those humans are tiny humans. Now, not really. The sixth, the oldest child, she's like my size now. But In mind, she's still kind of a tiny human. So it's loud, and I didn't want to record here, but the keys to the library were not where they should be. So I drove to the library, couldn't get in, had to drive home, and now I'm sitting in the twins' room on a twin bed so that I can be here with you all. So if you hear this sound, I don't know if you can hear that, but if you hear that, that is the plastic on the twins' beds' mattresses because I firmly believe that toddlers college students and seniors should all have their mattresses wrapped in plastic because Lord knows what's going to happen at night or early in the morning or at any time during the day. So that's how I protect my mattress. Um, But I am happy to be with you guys and I am very excited. I don't know if you all know, but the Black Love Summit is coming up. It's an annual summit. If you have not bought your tickets, please buy your tickets. Um, And in the prepping for the Black Love Summit, Black Love page on Instagram has been playing old clips from last year's Black Love Summit, which I was able to be at. And it was a phenomenal time. It was one of those things that was like my day date for myself, where I took myself. uh, My husband was working, so he couldn't join me. But I did grab my niece and her new husband. So I brought them with me and we had a really great time. You know, good people, good looks. Y'all, let me just talk about Cody for one minute, okay? Let me just step aside for one second and talk about Cody because every time Black Love has an event, I'll text her and I'll be like, what's the dress code? And she's like, anything you want. Because Cody's someone, she wants everybody to feel comfortable. She just wants you all to show up, right? So she's like, anything you want, just be comfortable and come. Now, I don't know why I forget how Black people are for Black events. But y'all, if you go to the Black Love Stomach, get dressed. Like, put on your good shoes, put on your good clothes, get your lipsticks, do your hair, get your hat and your accessories. Put all of that on because when Black people show up places, they show out. And don't come looking like you're a mama of six, like me, because you will feel out of place. So this year at Black Love Summit, I'm going to be dressed, y'all, okay? Get your phones ready. We're going to do selfies. We're going to take pictures. I'm ready. The backdrop's going to be there. I know it. So get dressed, get ready, get your ticket, meet me there. But anyways... (laughs) Back to why we're here. Uh, I was scrolling, you know, Instagram and a a clip from last year's Black Love Summit came up on my feed and it was a clip from Brie and her fiance. And Brie was talking about, you know, a little bit about her journey in dating and prepping to be married. And she was talking about her and her fiance moving in with each other and living with each other before they were engaged or and before they were 
well, they're still not married. So before they were engaged and she starts to cry in the clip. And y'all, this clip is really heart moving. Like I legit started to cry. And actually, before I even tell you about it, we're just going to listen to it for a second. All right. I grew up in church. Um, very faithful family. But what I noticed after we got engaged is that our sexual relationship changed drastically because I had been holding a lot of shame towards sex because of my upbringing. I'm seeing nods. <laughs> Perhaps maybe some of you understand. It's not, I, you know, I was raised that I needed to be a virgin for my husband. And if I wasn't, then I was wrong for my husband, you know, or I was damaged or I was, oops, didn't mean to get emotional, but like, you know, you're saving yourself for the one, you know? And so once that was out the window, I was like, okay, well, whoever I end up marrying is not going to love me like a virgin should be loved, <laughs> you know? So it was actually really powerful after we got engaged to feel this like freedom. It was like this dark shame had been like lifted because I didn't have to like worry about ruining anything. It just felt good to just, it still feels good <laughs> in a lot of ways. <laughs> just like know that you know you are gonna be my husband and um I don't have to feel that anymore so I don't know how that resonated with you but for me it really moved me in so many different ways and I really felt for her and it's funny how I know I'm a mama to six but I kid you not there are so many moments I don't care how old you are I feel like your mama. Like, my heart will hurt for you the way moms would for their child. I feel for you. I feel that empathy. And I just wanted to give her a hug and be like, it's okay, baby. But the part that got me the most was when she talks about her worth and how she felt like because she made certain choices because of what she learned in the church growing up, that she felt so much shame around it that she didn't know whether or not she was worthy to be somebody's wife. And that it made me cry. Honestly, it just made me cry. And it made me want to talk about the idea of shame. So after I watched the clip, I brought the clip to my husband. I was like, babe, watch this. Look at this. And so we watched it together. We talked about it a little bit. And then he asked me the question, do you think shame is a necessary feeling for like growth and evolution, right? Like, is it a necessary feeling for people? And my first answer was, yes, I think all feelings are necessary. Right. Y'all know I love the movie Inside Out. We get a look at what feelings do and how they help us navigate and how they help us know right from wrong and what we're good at, what we're not good at, where we're comfortable, where we're not comfortable. I do think that feelings are very important to navigate through life to be the best version of yourself. However, when I gave it a second thought and when I went and Googled the definition of shame, I changed my answer. And I said, no, actually, I don't think shame is necessary. And that's because shame is not a feeling, right? Shame is something that somebody gives us or puts on us. Shame 
is a feeling. It's a feeling of humiliation, but it's a feeling of humiliation that someone else puts on us. And humiliation isn't even really a natural feeling. You know, I was talking to my producer before we started recording this, and she was talking about shame versus guilt. And I agree with her. I think a lot of people interchange shame and guilt. Guilt is a feeling that helps us navigate through right and wrong, but shame is something that someone tries to put on us to change our behavior. And if you're following me, you've probably been following other parents and parent educators that talk about the importance of not shaming your children. And I want to reiterate that today. Like, no growth happens in shame. And when we listen to that clip, we see the evidence of that, right? She felt shame and it caused her to feel unworthy and unvaluable. And I think that for most of us as parents, that's not something we actually want to communicate to our children. That's not something we want our children to feel. Like we would never actually tell our children, you're not worthy and you're not valuable. Yet these are the feelings that come along with shame. So when our children do something that's not right, like I've seen these clips on on social media, which I see them less and less, and I'm glad for that. But I see these clips where children, you know, bring home straight Ds, and then their parents want to humiliate them, and they want to take a video of them and say, oh, you know, you're going to take home, you're you going to get Ds, or they'll, like, give them a fake gift and wrap, you know, iPad box up or something, and the child thinks that they're getting iPad, and then they open the box and, like, I don't know, there's a workbook in there, and then the parents start cracking up and saying, like, yeah, you thought you earned that, you you thought you earned that iPad, you thought you was gonna get that iPad. No, you can't have that iPad. You need to study, you need to do this, you need to do that. And they record it and they post it on the internet. And they do it specifically to shame the child. And even in that, I believe that those parents love that child. <laughs> Like, I actually believe they love their child and want to do what's best for them. And for whatever reason, these are the tools that they have. And this is what they think is going to motivate the child to do better. But a lot of times when we when we shame a child or a person, it doesn't necessarily cause them to do better because in those moments, we're not giving them any tools. We're not helping them to do anything differently. We're just teaching them that they should hide this behavior, that this behavior shouldn't be seen because it's embarrassing. And side note, when I say embarrassing, it reminds me of my child coming home and telling me that she and her whole class missed out on recess one day and that the teacher told told the whole class, like, you guys are embarrassing me. We're not going to do recess today because you guys are embarrassing me. And when I asked my daughter, well, what did you guys do? She's like, I don't know. Some people were talking, but I don't know. And it's that same concept of like, we are trying to raise children around shame, around punishment, but we leave out so many issues with that, right? We leave out one, the age of the child, like developmentally, where are they at? What's appropriate? If you are in a store with a three-year-old or in a restaurant, if you've listened to past episodes, you know that I don't take children to restaurants between the ages of like 18 months to three years old because they don't know how to act. They just don't. And that's developmentally appropriate for an 18-month-old to a three-year-old, right? Like, they don't know how to act. They can't do it. They're not being bad. They're being three. And I'm not going to take them to a restaurant and whoop them in front of a bunch of people or yell at them in front of a bunch of people and shame them to get them to act right. I'm just going to not do restaurants for a little while with them, right? But it's it's that same idea of, like, children are doing what is appropriate for their age, and they are being children, 
And then we are shaming them without actually teaching them how to behave differently. So I want to encourage you to one, become conscious of like when you're shaming your children. And a lot of times we'll notice this when in, in just their reactions, right? Like we could do something, we could yell a certain way, we can call them names, which is another conversation, but like we're teaching them to identify in the shame. And then when they're growing up, they're still in that shame and still carrying around that feeling of humiliation. They're carrying around that feeling of like not being worthy. And so rather than just telling them like, you're being bad, you're embarrassing me, you're doing this, you can literally say like, "Mm, your choices right now are not safe or your choices right now don't meet my need for respect. Your choices right now don't meet my need for kindness. And the reason why I say this is because I think it's important to teach children and humans that like we can choose what we do, right? And you can change your choice. You can make a bad choice. That doesn't make you a bad person. And I don't have to humiliate you for making a bad choice. And I can teach you how to make better choices. But that really starts with even teaching them that they have the ability to choose which direction they're going to go. So I want to talk a little bit about why why we end up shaming our children. And I I want to start with like the conscious practice of parenting, right? So a lot of times when I see parents shaming their children, it's actually something that more so happens, I think personally, because something happened in public, right? It goes back to that idea of like, we don't actually teach them not to do it. We just teach them to hide it. So like a lot of these things where we're shaming children starts because someone has seen it or too many people have seen it. And so in those moments when you feel like you are triggered or you're about to shame your child or you need them to, you need to get them to stop a behavior, I want you to ask yourself, like, why is this bothering you so much? What about this behavior bothers you? Most likely, Let's use the example of a child. You're at the store. Your child wants a toy. You tell them, we're not here to buy toys. We're not getting a toy. They fall out on the floor. They start screaming or they grab the toy and they're trying to put it in the basket. You put in the toy back. They're telling you, you're mean. You're mean, mommy. I want the toy. I'm not leaving till I get the toy. You know, all that stuff, which happens to every single parent. I think that is one of those moments where our reaction is like, boy, you better get up off the floor. You're embarrassing me. You better stop embarrassing me. You better stop embarrassing yourself or you should be embarrassed. Like that's a feeling we often have and tell them like you should be embarrassed to be behaving this way and feeling this way. So in those moments, I want you to think about like, why is this triggering me so much? Because most likely like it's not just a matter of you need to change your behavior. Most likely you have literally been triggered in that moment. And as crazy as they're acting on the floor or in the aisle, internally, you're feeling the same way. And you're like mortified because your child is acting crazy in the store. They're embarrassing you. You're probably ready to just snatch them up and take them back to the car. You're probably like, forget it. I don't. We don't even need groceries today. We're leaving, right? There is something in you that is mortified in this moment. And most likely it is because you were taught that you weren't supposed to act that way. And you were taught in a way where the body was taught like this is so wrong, right? And so like, when you think back on these moments, it's it's a matter of what you believe is right and wrong, what you believe is acceptable, unacceptable, and what you as a child were allowed to do or not do. So now your child is acting a certain way and it's triggering you not only because the behavior is unacceptable, but because you were conditioned to not act this way. You were shamed to not act this way. You were 
possibly beat or popped or yelled at in a way where your body froze every time you even thought about acting this way. So now you see your mini you, a reflection of you, acting the way that you were terrified to even think that you could act, and it is lighting you up. And your inner child and your adult being is like, this can't happen. Like, we we both about to get whipped in this situation. This can't happen. We got to stop it now. We're in danger. You know, you go into that fight or flight mode, fight, flight, or freeze, right? You're probably not frozen. So you're probably wanting to like fight your child or flee. You want to fight your child and you want to leave the store. So in those moments, just stop yourself, take a breath, and ask yourself, one, is everybody safe? right? That's always one of the first questions I ask. If your child is throwing things, safety is probably not somewhere in the wheelhouse, so we need to meet safety first. But is your child safe? Then two, asking yourself, like, is this important in the sense of like, of all the things that I can get emotionally dysregulated about, of all the things that I can get infuriated about, is this the most important thing? My child being disappointed that they can't have a toy, is is this the most important thing that I need to hit a level 10 and start shaming my child or yelling at my child or snatching them up and taking them out? Most likely in the realm of like all the things we have to parent and deal with, it's probably not a 10, but it may feel like a 10. And again, the feeling is your body's actual reaction to what's happening because your body has been conditioned in a certain way. So this, again, is like why it's important to start being conscious and ask yourself, actually ask yourself, even if you have to ask it out loud, ask yourself these questions like, is it that important right now? Is this reasonable? Is this something that can change? How old is your child? Developmentally, where are they at? Like being disappointed that you can't buy a toy, that makes sense to me. That seems appropriate. If you take me into Target and you tell me I can't stop at Starbucks on the way in or out, like, I'm going to be mad. (laughs) I have learned not to kick and scream, but I'm holding a grudge and not talking to anybody on the way home. I am. And I'm probably dropping people off and getting back in the car to go to Starbucks and be like, no, no, I'm going to get my Starbucks. So I get like I get that feeling of disappointment. You go somewhere, you expect something, you want it, you get disappointed, you get mad. That's understandable. So asking yourself the question, like, is this important? Is this reasonable? When I say reasonable, I do not mean the behavior. I mean the feeling. Because when we can address the feelings, it will help us navigate through the behavior, right? Behavior is always a reflection of a feeling or an unmet need. And so when we can figure out how to validate the feelings, how to meet the needs, we can change the behavior. Behavior is always just a manifestation of what's going on in the inside, and a matter of giving them other tools. So in a moment, your child's throwing a fit, right? Safety first, calming yourself down first, and then teaching your child how to respond. And that may not happen in that moment. Your child might be upset in that moment, and they might not be willing to hear anything you have to say. And and this, I think, is a whole thing that we can talk about. And I think we have talked about it, kind of like prepping your children for disappointment. There are certain things When we go to the store, we know they're going to ask for a toy. Your best bet is to prepare them for that store visit before you even get in there so that we don't have this explosion and eruption, right? Like, hey, we're going into the store. We are buying these five items. We are not buying toys. Can you tell me that back? What's going to happen when we see a toy? We're not buying it, right? That's probably the best way to deal with these situations because it's very hard to deal with them when we're in the moment. But if we're wanting to avoid shaming our children because we don't want our children growing up with feelings of 
not being worthy, not being valuable, if we want our children to actually learn, then we have to start with validation. So start with, again, calming yourself down, identifying your triggers, and then just work with the feelings they're having. Like you don't, you don't necessarily have to address the behavior in that moment because it's going to be hard to change, but work with the feelings. Like you're, you're really mad right now. However, you're going to say it like, oh, you mad, mad right now, huh? And then like, I get that. I understand that. And we've gone over this in other episodes. So go back and listen to them. But rather than shame, identify your own triggers. Ask yourself the question, is this important? Ask yourself the question, can this change? Can your child change the behavior right now? Maybe, maybe not. Ask yourself the question like, does this have to happen right now? If your child just brought home straight D's and you had time to go buy an iPad box and wrap up their journal or their D's or their workbook in the iPad box and wrap it up like you had all kinds of time to get new tools. So obviously, if they brought home D's, they're not going to change that right now. What can you do? Set up a plan to work with them and study with them. Ask them, sit down and talk to them about what they're experiencing in school because you don't know, they might be dyslexic. They might be neurodiverse. You don't know what's going on with them, but you're going to shame them. And now not only are you making them feel invaluable, unworthy, you're also putting yourself in a position where you're no longer their safe space. So I don't know if you guys remember an episode before I had talked about um, one of my elite gems. This is a, a little girl that went to my preschool. She's now in fifth grade. She's struggling in school. And she's also having a hard time with like turning in her homework. Like, Things that seem simple to us, right? She, She's bringing her homework to school. She's doing her homework, but she's not turning it in. And so her dad did one of those things where he tried to like embarrass her and shame her and be like, you better get it together. Otherwise, this is embarrassing for all of us. And then there was one night she came over to her house and he told me, he's like, can you please talk to her? Because I don't know what's going on with her, but this isn't okay. She needs to get her stuff in. She can't just, you know, fail out of school. She's only 10 years old. Da, 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 da. The works, right? So I'm like, okay, yeah, I'll talk to her. So I end up having a conversation with her. We talk and it turns out that like her teacher's really mean (laughs) and she's scared of her teacher. And so if she ever doesn't understand the work, she's scared to ask questions. And then when she goes home, she's scared of her dad. He's been barking at her and yelling at her about her homework and making her feel like she's stupid, shaming her and making her feel bad for not understanding. And so now she literally does not feel like she has anyone where she can ask the question of like, how can I get help with my homework? I don't know how to do this. So that's a huge aspect of shame that I want you guys to think about when addressing your children and their problem behavior or their problem grades or whatever it is, is like the idea of safety and being their safe space. Because if we want them to learn, if we want them to do differently, we want them to change the behavior, we want them to study, we want them to be able to come to us for help and support. And this is in all realms. Sometimes they do something they're not supposed to, but really it was like a friend that introduced them to something and they knew they weren't supposed to do it, but they didn't know how to get out the situation. And now they don't know how to talk to us because they know that if they come to us, we're just going to make them feel bad about the situation. I'm an adult and I have people like that in my life. We're like, if I'm struggling with something, 
there are certain people in my life, I am absolutely not going to go to them because they are going to make me feel worse about my situation when I'm in a position where I need help with my situation. So always position yourself to help your child, not hurt your child. Because at the end, you want your child to come to you when they need things, especially as our children get older, especially when they start facing peer pressure or facing major decisions that are going to affect the rest of their life or, you know, their future. That's whether that's in a year, five years, 10 years, we want them to be able to come to us. So create a space of safety and safety happens with the idea of validating how they're feeling. Safety happens with the idea of addressing the situation without judgment. And that's hard to do because a lot of times we see behaviors or we see certain things and the judgments have just been ingrained in us since we were their age. So it's very hard to let go of judgment, but that's when consciousness comes in. And I guarantee you that most of these things you're addressing, most of these things you're dealing with, they don't have to be dealt with in that moment. Like handle safety in the moment, whether that's emotional, mental, physical safety. Handle safety in the moment And then pause, take a breath, take a break. Both of you can take a little break and come back to this later. And then focus on understanding where the behavior is coming from. And then focus on giving them actual tools to help them change the behavior. If they're struggling in homework, the tools are one, learning to ask for help and then getting them help. If they're struggling in managing disappointments, the tools are recognizing the disappointment and giving them language to express how they're feeling and giving them a plan of action to know when these things are going to happen so they don't feel disappointed. If the behavior is, I hate you, you're so mean, right? Like recognize the feeling. They're upset. They're disappointed. The tools are the language. Like you can tell me you're upset, but you you can't tell me I hate you. <laughs> that hurts my feelings. That doesn't feel good to me. Is this what you actually mean? That's something I also say to my children. That's one way I give them language without trying to tell them like, this is what you can and can't do. I'll say, are you, you seem really mad right now. Are you really trying to tell me that you're upset because you couldn't have this? Yes, I am. Okay, so then tell me that. I'm upset that I can't have this and I get that. Here's what we can do, right? So tools are usually, honestly, language. Like communication is a huge thing. We wanna connect to our children, what they're feeling, what they're going through, and then we want to give them the communication for how they can communicate that differently so that it doesn't manifest in the behavior that's unwanted. And then we want to keep the communication going so that we can continue to be their safe space. So your homework for this week is to sit and ask yourself, when is the last time that you shamed your child? Or when is the last time that you felt shame? And then ask yourself, like, what is the story you're telling yourself behind that behavior that required you to shame them so that you can start to be conscious of these these times when we use shame as a tool so we can start to try to develop other tools aside from shame. All right, my friends, don't forget to buy your tickets to the Black Love Summit. It's happening November 12th in Los Angeles. I'm going to be there. I hope to see you there too. And as always, you can purchase the tickets right here in the show notes, the link in the show notes, or you can head over to, or you can head over to Cherie Sims on Instagram and find it in my link tree. 
What you'll also find in my link tree is a link to my Parenting for the Culture podcast club, where we come and listen to the podcast on your own on Thursdays. And then we meet live via Zoom and we can talk about all the things. So come join me. Come join me tomorrow, Friday, live on Zoom. The link is in the link tree on on my Instagram. Um, And let's talk about shame and how that resonates with you, how it's felt for you, how you are maybe trying to move away from shame and implementing it with your children. Uh, So meet me there and I will see you all next week. Peace, everybody.